For Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the coronavirus has hit nursing homes in Georgia hard. Residents have spent months cut off from the rest of the world, and thousands have gotten sick and have died. I don't want to fault anybody for not having predicted this. I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons looking back at this once we get past it. Melanie McNeil, Georgia's long-term care ombudsman, joins me to discuss what the pandemic has meant for the state's long-term care facilities and the people who call them home. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. COVID-19 has killed more than 2,300 people in nursing homes in Georgia. It's just one way the pandemic has impacted those who live in long-term care homes, which have been closed off to the outside world for months. Melanie McNeil advocates for these individuals as Georgia's long-term care ombudsman. She joins me now to discuss the other ways the coronavirus is affecting these settings and their residents. Melanie, thanks for talking with me. Sure. As the state long-term care ombudsman, you're really the advocate for people who are in nursing homes, assisted living facilities. And I want to start by having you tell me just a few stories that you've heard of how this pandemic is affecting people in these settings. Maybe let's just start there. Tell me a few stories that you've heard over the last few months that have kind of stuck out to you. Sure. One of the stories was of a man who lived in a nursing home. His wife lived in the community. She had cancer and and was dying of cancer. So he was not able to visit with her because of lockdown in the long-term care facilities and because she was ill. She died and the funeral home was willing to work with the resident so that he could drive by the funeral home and see his wife one last time. The nursing home would not allow him to leave. So our ombudsman representative advocated with them. And so finally, the nursing home relented and let him go see his wife one last time. Sometimes, you know, facilities are trying so hard to keep everyone safe that they sort of lose their heart. Another story stick out to you? I mean, there I can imagine are just so many that you've been hearing. The directive to long-term care facilities is that family members can visit with residents, what they're calling compassionate visits, when a resident is failing. 
but some facilities interpret that very, very strictly. And so we have had calls from families who say, you know, I know my mom's dying. They won't let me go see her. She's not going to die in the next couple of hours, but we want to see her. But facilities sometimes interpret this so strictly that we have heard from families that they have not been allowed to visit with a loved one and then the loved one dies and they die alone and the family is devastated. And I think what both of these stories get to is just how in the course of this pandemic, these facilities have really been cut off from the outside world. Residents inside have been isolated to the point that family haven't been able to see them. That is obviously a a problem. But if we think about these settings generally and how they've handled the pandemic, what are some other problems that y'all have been, I guess, hearing from folks? Lots of our ombudsman representatives are very concerned about the residents who are on what are often described as dementia care units. Not everyone with dementia is unable to say what's going on, but, but a lot of times the residents who are on the dementia units are not very able to communicate with others. And so what we're worried about is the extent to which those residents may not be getting the services because no one is watching. And with facility staffs being short, first of all, and then with facility staff members also being sick, so even shorter staff, there's a real strong concern about what's happening within those dementia care units. Some facilities, again, are are kind of strict on who can visit and how. And so some facilities will allow family members to come and see their loved one through a window. So they have some idea of what's happening, but not all facilities are even allowing that. And so, yeah, people are just really, really isolated. Another problem, we have seen outbreaks in in facilities here in Georgia that have led to, you know, thousands of people getting sick, thousands of people dying here in these facilities in the state. Talk with me just kind of about the state of this pandemic, if we think about COVID as a problem in and of itself in these facilities. Well, long-term care facilities across the country have had concerns with infection control. So if you have that problem existing, and then you add this very new and unknown virus that makes things, you know, even worse. And then when you think about, you know, at the beginning, we didn't know as much as we do now, especially the nursing home staff and and other long-term care staff, you know, they go home at night. And uh, one aspect that an ombudsman representative mentioned to me is, especially in the rural areas, long-term care workers might carpool. So they're not at the same facility. So they're actually potentially exposed to three facilities worth of individuals because they're carpooling together. And then not having the proper protective equipment allows for the spread of the virus. And this is such a sneaky virus because you can have it and not have any symptoms. And so it does seem that the personal protective equipment is now more available. I mean, I can't say all facilities have got all they need all the time. And I think facilities are are using them, although we are getting reports from family members who will call and say, you know, staff people aren't using the personal protective equipment or they aren't using it appropriately or they're not doing the proper hand hygiene. And so it's just another way that darn virus is just, you know, continuing to be out there. 
your primary job is oversight of these facilities. Normally, you and your representatives are able to actually physically get into these spaces, nursing homes, long-term care homes, and see what's happening for yourself. What has access been like for y'all understanding that these facilities are, are pretty much shut off to the outside world? Well, we're included among those that cannot go into facilities right now. So typically, Sam, an ombudsman representative would go into a, an assisted living facility or nursing home, and they're looking at things, not just the residents. So they're looking to see, does the facility look clean? How does it smell? How do the residents in general look? Do their clothes look clean? Do they look clean? Like, do they look like they've had their hair washed and are their hands clean? Things like that. Well, we can't tell that right now. But those are all, you know, quality of life things. See, we wouldn't know that just by making a phone call, which is what we're doing right now is we're calling facilities and we're calling residents to talk to them on the phone. Sometimes residents will put a good face on it, even though, you know, there may be some issues. But what we hear sometimes from residents is, you know, they're short staffed, but they're doing the best they can. Where if we were in the building, we might be able to see, you know, they are really short staffed. I'm going to go talk to the administrator because I can quantify it. You know, I can say the residents are eating at two o'clock because you don't have enough staff to get all the meals to them by 12 or 1230 at whatever time. You know, we can observe some of those things. And right now we are unable to do that. My understanding, too, is that family members are an important part of the oversight framework. If you have, you know, a mother or a father, grandmother, grandfather in one of these facilities, you could see these things that some of your representatives are looking for, but families are cut off too. So talk with me a little bit about losing them as as part of the oversight framework here. A fair number of families visit with loved ones in long-term care daily or at least weekly. So they might be assisting a resident to have a meal, for example, to do an activity. They're a real support to the facility. You know, so if a resident is visiting with a loved one and the loved one is providing a certain level of care and comfort for that resident, the staff are able to go do other things. And you can see people through their window to some degree. It's just not the same. And I, I think the other thing that's been what we're hearing about for residents is when you don't have, you know, your family member come and give you a hug. I'm going to have to stop for a minute. Sorry, Sam. No, no. I know this is, um, I can only imagine what it's like for your office to hear stories like this and have to have heard these for months now. So, you know, you don't have that uh, personal touch. You don't have that presence. You know, you're not in the same presence with your loved one. It really takes a toll. You know, we know that from studies from years and years that touch is really important. And so... It's really taking a toll on the residents when, you know, uh, all these things are not available to them, things we just take so for granted. So, When can and should people be allowed back into these spaces? Federal agencies, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the one that regulates a lot of these facilities has said community spread needs to be low before we can consider opening these places back up. The White House Coronavirus Task Force um, has also pointed out that seeing outbreaks in nursing homes, those are very closely tied to 
how this virus is moving through the community. So what's your take on the threshold that needs to be met for when these places can open again? And are we anywhere near where we need to be to make that happen? So I think we need to make it happen. It's taking such a toll on residents that we've got to figure out a way to do it. And that's really the issue is how do we set it up so that people can safely visit, safe for the people who are coming to visit and safe for the residents because we want everybody to stay safe. I mean, I think we know enough now that, for example, while the weather is nice, now right now it's probably too hot, but in another you know few weeks, it won't be as hot. We could do outdoor visits. Of course, you have to have some staff to monitor and remind families you've got to stay six feet apart and you need to have a face mask on and you can't, you know, be touching, although we were just talking about how important touch is. But should the facility do some screening? Of course. You know, so they need to ask the people who are coming, are you feeling well or are you feeling sick? If you're feeling sick, please come another day. Allow people to visit outside. There's no reason not to do that. But they also could allow visits inside. You just have to be careful. So designate a room, have it near an entrance, make appointments for people so that, you know, Mrs. Smith in room 101 can have a visit with her family at 10 in the morning and she can visit for 30 minutes. And then she goes back to her room and you take a half an hour to disinfect that room. And then Mr. Jones, who's in room 201, gets to meet with his family for 30 minutes. It's possible. We can do it. We just have to figure it out. What is your sense for what this is going to mean for these long-term care facilities if three months from now, even six months from now, whatever time frame you want, if, if we're not able to figure out either one, how to get people in to visit safely and for oversight to, to make that happen safely, and two, if we don't do more to nip this larger problem of the pandemic. Facilities, they think, have reduced census already, meaning they have fewer people in their facilities than they would in normal times. So if this goes on a lot longer, I think that trend will continue. And at some point, facilities may not be able to stay open. They may not be able to serve residents because they just can't do it. There's also, I think, a worry that the residents who are in those facilities, if we continue on lockdown, I don't want to sound like gloom and doom, but I think we will have more deaths of residents, not really because they have the COVID illness, but as a result of COVID because of being on lockdown, being so isolated. And whether it's that they give up, and that's what we're hearing, that some residents just are giving up because they just don't think there's an end in sight. In fact, someone said a resident told them they didn't think they would ever be able to touch their loved one again. And that was just, you know, heartbreaking. I'm really wondering whether we're going to see families just revolt, that families are going to be really, really insistent. And so that there may be enough pressure on facilities that even if the pandemic continues, and even if it's community COVID is, is high, that facilities are just going to have to allow some visits because families are just going to be so fed up that they'll do everything they can to try and, and make it happen. Putting pressure on politicians and facilities and whoever else, you know, so that they can get in. There are lots of different factors at play here, a lot of different influences that affect what happens inside these facilities, right? We've got 
state regulators, we've got federal regulators, we have state officials, we have private companies that run a lot of these facilities. So there, there's a lot of players here. If we think about the kind of preparedness that these facilities had for this pandemic, how would you assess that? And understanding that there are a lot of different stakeholders here, how do you think about how prepared they all were to handle this situation? I mean, it really seems like nursing homes and long-term care facilities have really borne a pretty significant brunt of this pandemic. They have. And when you say that, Sam, I'm thinking about our own emergency preparedness for the long-term care ombudsman program. And when we would talk about it, we would talk about hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fire. But I don't think we ever really were seriously thinking, oh, yeah, and pandemic. I mean, we had it in there, but we weren't really thinking about it. Because quite honestly, for our program, we didn't have personal protective equipment. Uh, We do now. But I don't think anybody thought that we would have something this virulent and long-lasting and unknown. So, you know, our investment representatives would encounter MRSA, that infection that's pretty significant. You have to be careful. And the same with flu. You know, we we know, you know, with flu, we might not even visit when there's flu because we don't want to bring it in or come out with it. We didn't have face masks and gowns and face shields and all that sort of stuff. You know, you just sort of worked around it. So this was just so new. So I don't criticize nursing homes for not having a big stockpile of all this stuff because I think all of us were just really caught unaware that this was something likely to happen. I mean, it's not like we haven't had pandemics before. So is this just um, a lot of stakeholders really lacking the imagination to think that something this bad could happen? Well, maybe. You know, that might be a way to describe it. You know, you know, you see these movies where this pandemic stuff happens, but you think, well, that's all Hollywood. Or even, you know, think back to Ebola a few years back, but that was in Africa. And so if you think about it that way, I mean, so I make this analogy. You know, when we had that really terrible ice storm and Governor Deal was so criticized because we didn't have a big stockpile of road equipment to clear the ice and all that sort of stuff. So do you budget for a once in an every 10 year thing? And so you have this huge stockpile of stuff and you tie up all your money for all that period of time. You know, do you have the money to do that? And I don't know whether facilities sort of look at it that way, because clearly they had to have some personal protective equipment because they have MRSA and flu. If I were running a nursing home, I might be thinking the same thing. Do I have the money and the space to stockpile the enormous amount of personal protective equipment that we need for this pandemic, when in all the times past, we haven't needed that. So I don't want to fault anybody for not having predicted this. I just think, um, I hope we learn a lot of lessons about how we evaluate things quicker and more urgently and in a better way. I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons looking back at this once we get past it. And I am optimistic that we'll get past it, but I don't know when. Melanie McNeil is Georgia's long-term care ombudsman. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. 
Special thanks to Stephen Key. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's where you can also leave us a rating and a review. Doing that will really help other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.